Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Tom Campbell here from the Coldaholic Classic Raw Review. You all right? Uh, before we get started, just to let you know, there was a bit of a recording issue with this week's episode. And for some reason, I, I sound like a robot. It's a weird sort of feedbacky effect whenever I talk so apologies for that use it as a bit of fun just just pretend this week it's just in an a robot version of Tom that's what I do if you're back to normal next week thank you for continuing to support myself and Justin Henry as we go back through every single episode of Monday Night Raw you are wonderful speak to you soon love you bye Got an ass like an amphitheater. It begins with a U, it ends with an A, it has a middle initial there. Monday Night Raw, number one. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review as the other Cultaholic lads are currently deep into a royal quest or a Cardiff-based takeover, or they are currently all out of all out. We are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean, all in for WrestleMania 10, which is going to rock according to the rap they made about it that time. More on that another day. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell, and I be with the bear in the big blue bar cage. The head pen from Cultaholic doesn't need a pencil, gets it right all the time. There is Justin Henry, and he is off of America. How you doing there, Tommy? And congratulations on getting uh, number 475 in this year's PWI 500. I'm very proud of you. Yeah, I made it, Mom! So how are you, more importantly, Justin? I am doing splendid. I'm looking forward to delving into this show, which took me two hours to watch last night because for some reason I just wasn't feeling it. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, it, it wasn't a bad show, but it's just, I, I guess I was just, had a long day and I was tired and... I guess the idea of a tape wrestling show trying to get into it sometimes can be a little taxing. Like sometimes I watch it and I just go right through it. And it's like, like, okay, you know, just, just cracked that off in 45 minutes and I'm fine. This one, it was like, I had to take a walk at one point. <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot for the quality of the episode. If you had to take a walk halfway through. Well, it wasn't like it was a bad show necessarily. I mean, there are some goofy stuff that we will definitely get to, but it was just, I don't know. It was kind of a blasé feeling. It's like, technically, this is the go-home show for WrestleMania. Technically. And it certainly didn't feel like it, did it? No, it did not. It Absolutely was a lack not. An utter lack of star power. But be fair, the actual go-home show is going to be the March to WrestleMania, which 
we have to address this on the show. We do. Our schedule for the upcoming recordings was for next week to record the March to WrestleMania special, which had been uploaded to WWE Network earlier this year. That's the two-hour Sunday night special one week before WrestleMania. And we were going to record that with Mr. John Eiley, our our Photoshop pharaoh. The following week, we're going to record the watch-along of WrestleMania 10 with Mr. Matthew Gregg of Botchamania. However, there's a little bit of a snag. When the network upgraded itself back in, uh, I guess it was July last month, um, they took out all the hidden gems. Now, they've slowly been adding them back periodically. They put some stuff back up. Actually, they put a lot of stuff back up. But as of this recording, the March to WrestleMania from 94 is not on there. So this might throw a little bit of a wrench into our plans here because we want to have John back on. He's such a great guest. So we're going to play it by ear this coming week. We're going to pay attention to the WWE Network Twitter bot feed that tells us when something has been re-uploaded or just put up in general. And as soon as we see – if we see March to WrestleMania 1994 put up, then we'll record that with John. We tend to record Thursdays or Fridays, so that would be the uh, – that would be ideal if it's up before then. But if it's not up in time, we'll just have John on for something else in the near future, and we will jump straight into WrestleMania 10 with Matthew and record next week. So as of right now, we don't know what we're recording for next week. <laughs> It is very much a spin of the roulette wheel what you're going to get on the podcast stream next week. It's a 50-50 here. Well, either way, you will get a show. You'll either get myself and Justin and Photoshop John, or you'll get myself and Justin and Matthew Gregg. So let's let's see what happens. And either way, it'll, it'll be a fun time because both of them are excellent guests and we love having them on. Exactamundo. But that's for next week to worry about. How about this week? Where and when are we, Justin? Well, the episode air date was March 7th, 1994. It was taped two weeks earlier in Poughkeepsie, New York. And this is the final Raw, quote-unquote, before WrestleMania. And uh, if this was the official go-home show, this is pretty much the go-to-bed show because this did not get me hyped for WrestleMania at all. This is the go-home-you're-drunk show. <laughs> if only. No, 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 no. That would be exciting. <laughs> because some debauchery would have taken place that would have prompted the get the hell out of here and just you know call an uber and get home safely uh stage of things this is this is sort of just the you know you're you're boring just go home you're killing the party here you're ruining it for everybody uh pretty much well either way we've got to get through it like true champions that we are so uh we get underway with at least we know the commentary is going to be more acceptable than it has been. Well, before we even get into that, we have we have this promo video to start the show, which uh, we start out with these Savage and Yoko highlights from last week, which, as we said, was a was a pretty damn good match. Savage's last televised world title match ever, and Vince and Vince in the voiceover goes, "Will dreams be shattered tonight?" Because Savage's dream was shattered last week. Because he says, "Well, dreams." Dreams be shattered tonight because Crush and Owen Hart are facing the smoking guns. Wait, what dreams exactly are going to be shattered tonight? <laughs> uh, the dreams that the smoking guns can beat two singles wrestlers. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing on the line here. It's just it's two cowboys versus Owen Hart and America hating Crush, and there's nothing at stake. So what dreams are we talking about here? Because I'm confused. The American dream of 
beating a Canadian and a Hawaiian. Fair enough. <laughs> I guess. I guess that's what they're going for. It was. It, it, it's one of those ambitious video packages that didn't need the ambition. <laughs> I always like it when they they do this a lot in this era where they really try and put a lot of emphasis on nothing matches. It'd be like the IRS and Marty Janetti, two warriors about now, nah, mate. That's a that's a TV match. Shut up. Calm mm -hmm. down. Men on a mission. Well done. There's there's not enough room for four guys wearing singlets. <laughs> and there won't be after, but they're going to have a match anyway. <laughs> so, as you alluded to, we have Ted DiBiase on commentary for this show. Someone who, uh, who was a great speaker and at times could be a great commentator. But you can tell on this show that he kind of wasn't really following the storylines. There was a couple of things he did that I quite enjoyed, uh, but I think they were sort of fed to him rather than they were his idea. Yeah, it didn't really seem very genuine. I, I remember reading somebody's comments on DiBiase once as a performer. Now, keep in mind, I'm a huge Ted DiBiase fan. One of the absolute greatest in-ring performers of all time in terms of being a technician and a ring general. And not just that, but one of the absolute consummate heels of the last 30 or 40 years. On the all-time top 10 list of heels, He's definitely among them. Mm -hmm. but, it was, but as a manager, as we'll see over the next couple of years or so, he never really could get his guys over. And it just seemed to me like DiBiase, if he's putting himself over or the guys in the ring with over, he was a master. But he wasn't really good at getting guys over in other roles. What like, do you like, think that is? I, I think he was just – I think just if he was part of the absolute emphasis – he knew how to work that way. But if he's just there to be a salesman for someone kind of peripherally, he didn't really have the same acumen for getting somebody over. I don't know why that would be, but it just – it didn't click with him as a manager, and it really should have because he's a he's an excellent talker. He could talk – and he, he knew how to talk himself up, how to talk his opponent up. But when it came to the, his clients, it wasn't the same. Is and it funny how you do get guys like that though who are – who you think well they're they're a, they're a can't miss in this element and they turn out to be awful the amount of people that we've seen who are great talkers step into that commentary position and just fall over i think one of the greatest sports examples ever and, and this may be lost on you being across the pond was was basketball great julius irving dr j who in his day was one of the smoothest coolest guys on the planet he was basically samuel l jackson playing basketball Although, I mean, not as, uh, you know, not as outgoing, but just like a, a natural smoothness to how he did everything. But he, And years later, he became a TV analyst, and he was just deer in the headlights the entire time. It just, it wasn't a fit. And you think he'd be the coolest guy in the world on TV, but it, it wasn't his thing. Some people just aren't built for that kind of role. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, I think Bobby Heenan kind of spoiled us, because he was great in every role you put him in. Yeah, so true. <laughs> and it's just some guys just, just struggle with that. And DiBiase, unfortunately, is one of them. And it's kind of surprising. So on tonight's show, we have a special presentation for Tatanka. Okay, look, that's going to be a very solemn segment in some ways. But there is some humor within that we kind of have to get to. And we'll try to cover with a little bit of dignity. We'll do our very best. <laughs> we can promise you that much. We will attempt dignity. 
it, it was nice what they did, but there's just some unintentional comedy in there, and we, we do have to address the elephant in the room. So in addition to that segment, we have IRS in action as well as Doink the Clown. When Vince gets a Doink, he says, we could have a little laughter there. No, we won't. Spoiler, we're not going to. And the double feature match on the show is going to be Virgil versus Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, now that is... They, they plugged that last week. They're very excited about Virgil versus Jeff Jarrett. I was... I knew that Virgil was still here at that point. I, He's I just, he just hanging in there, isn't he? He got squished by Yakazuma, Yakazuma, whatever his name is. And uh, he's still sort of on the periphery. He's just reminding us he's still alive. He shoots up once in a while like Curtis Axel. Yeah, that's a good one. He's like a Curtis Axel. It's like, oh, wow, he's, he still is there. Okay. Well, that's good. He's, he's finding work. Happy for the guy. So we go right to the opener here. It's the Smoking Guns versus Owen Hart and Crush. It's DX and the Brawl for All Club versus the Nation. And uh, actually two future Nation members, Owen Hart and Crush. It was good, this, wasn't it? I was I I somebody pointed this out to me on the Facebook page, which um we should dig into. Um, so as we have a first ta- a first time ever tag team happening, we asked you on the official Cultaholic fan page to name this tag team of Owen Hart and Crush, and mm-hmm. you haven't let us down. You've come up with some absolute belters. <laughs> Shall I give you some of my um shall I give you some of my favorites? Absolutely. Okay, so um big thanks to Ryan Palmer, who gives us the Kona Nuggets <laughs> and the Chronicles of Heart. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny with, with the whole Kona connection, because I was trying to think of an, a possible Owen Hart related term that rhymes with Reeves. So we can you know the, play off a of Kona Reeves somehow but unfortunately I couldn't think of anything like he doesn't wear sleeves he he's not very often peeved um uh, so and that was kind of a leaves. a pun that went awry he loves to pick up leaves there you go I mean I, I mean your maple leaves Kona maple leaves there you go <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so um let me go through some more Heart Crush by Mark Jones. There's just not much imagination there. I'm sorry, mate. Um, Chronically High from Ryan Palmer again. Well, it is uh, high energy, so that makes sense. Damien Stone gives us high compression. One's from high energy, and the other one is called Crush. Well, yes, because he does the Kona Compactor. There you go. (laughs) Um, Also, Carpet Remnant World. What happens when someone tries to make money out of random odds and ends? <laughs> Bit mean, that. Owinge Crush. <laughs> Thank you, Christian Crawford, for that one. The Mullet Machines. Well, that's it. That's every team from this era. Very true. Very true. Um, let, me see, let me find a few more. Owen and the big guy Vince thinks he needs. That's from David Adam. The Crockett Boys from Kyle C. Lincoln. He also offers Neon Brian and Nosy Neighbor. This isn't listen, but I just came up with it. How about Crush Owen's Crush? Oh, nice. 
I'm a big fan of that one. Mm. Big fan of that. Like that one a lot. Like that one a lot. Um, now, now all Owen has to do is try to apologize to Shane the command and offer a handshake and get blown off. <laughs> I'd like. I don't. Don't find me. I have family. Oh, okay. Uh, Carl Ingle says the Kabuki Warriors, mate. No, don't be silly. <laughs> no, got them already. He would never call a team that. That's just ridiculous. I know, right? Thomas Cole, sexual white chocolate. <laughs> Wait, who's what half here? I think they just combined sexual white chocolates. <laughs> the Un-Americans plus an American from Harry Hawker. I like that one. <laughs> uh, the Broken Hearts, Rob Gardner. Well, that's a nice Rob Gardner. One. Well done, mate. Come on, the Owen and Crush experience from Carl Engel. I love that one. Oh, I didn't see that one. Excellent. Um, Big fan of that one. Of, any sort of Calgary-Kona connection we can make here? Calgary-Kona connection. Just call them hot and cold. <laughs> and they come out to Katy Perry. Which, which didn't exist yet. I know, but they are time travelers. I like Joe Cherry's heart elition. Heart elition. That's a good shout. And we could work work a rocket into there somehow. Can we work rocket in? Um, crush rocket. Crush. No, I've been up too long to think of any more of these. <laughs> How about crush the wet rocket? Crush, <laughs> crush the wet rocket. <laughs> like toad the wet rocket. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll have that. Crush, crush the, the wet, wet rocket. rocket. <laughs> We're gonna walk on the ocean. That's love. That's, that's a nice, nice reference. reference. Like that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, thank, thank you very much for all your suggestions. You offered some brilliant ones, and we appreciate you as always. Thought we haven't really checked in with the official fan page in a while, so thank you for uh, for humouring us still. Yeah, we need to uh, jump into that more because definitely we have we have we have some very creative people who listen to the show or at least read our post. Wonderfully creative folks, what you are. So we have the smoking guns versus Owen and Crush, and. I put my notes here. It, it, it occurred to me just how weird it is to try and get a cowboy tag team, babyface tag team, over in a company that is now predominantly running shows out of New York. Suppose, yeah. I mean, I, I think that sort of thing would never really occur to Vince. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, in a national company, it might have made a little more sense. He might have been big down in like Texas and Oklahoma, but now they've kind of you know downgraded with the financial troubles the company's having they're running all their tv tapings out of the northeast and it's kind of a fish out of water i mean even though they are a great tag team they have a lot of great moves and continuity and and, and they're great together it, it's not necessarily a gimmick that's that's uh it's not really new york like at this point the one cowboy is going to get over stan hansen true so vince uh we have a funny moment here early on where dibiase he's talking about how crushing owen had been successful and Vince has to correct DiBiase's um, little tangent there by saying, well, he hasn't been successful as individuals because this is their first time teaming up together. Someone doesn't watch the shows. <laughs> Maybe he had to go for a walk because he couldn't watch the shows and 
came back and made a meal and decided like I, I gotta get through this stuff <laughs> I like to think that yeah he's had the same problems as you same problems as you I think like Ted DiBiase that's a good sign <laughs> peak 1994 WWE Tom is Crush waving a Japanese flag to faux in excess music while Nikolai stands in the front row in, in a pinstripe suit chanting USA it is a weird visual that whole first two minutes is like some weird fever dream a WWF fan would have it's like David Lynch is producing the show from the truck. <laughs> we get the first name drop of Jerry Lawler in a long time. Yeah, that was quite a nice little surprise. I did some research, and it was February 23rd, about two weeks before the show, that he was uh, had the charges dropped against him. So clearly they're getting ready to work him back in. So this is where it begins, isn't it? And uh, I wonder whether he'll pop up again at some point. Perhaps very soon. Maybe just maybe he's closer than you think, Tom. Oh. <clears throat> we learn of this match that crushes grease paint is very, very, um, shall we say contagious because it ends up on both Bart Gunn's oblique and Billy Gunn's teat. <laughs> he, he's marking them, apparently. Now, Bart Gunn he doesn't get enough credit for being a damn good athlete. Like, like he, we know he has a great left hand, as we saw in the brawl for all. And he he did, he did some pretty uh, decent high-flying moves with the smoking guns. He's about 6'4", maybe 250, 260. He goes lucha in this match. After he, uh, after he throws Crush on the top rope, he climbs to the apron. He springboards to the top rope and hits a twisting crossbody. That was sensational. I'd have been impressed if Marty Jannetty did that. A man half his size almost. This is Bart Gunn doing it, and the commentators undersell it. It's like, hello? <laughs> Bart Gunn was a damn good athlete. And, and it's time we effing acknowledge it. To quote Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Bart Gunn always kind of gets overlooked when you talk about like decent tag team wrestlers you know everyone kind of goes to billy gunn as like the tag team expert but bar gunn could hold his own absolutely he was definitely uh he he definitely had the ups maybe a little bit uh perhaps not as charismatic as his faux brother but held could hold his own in the ring he, he was kind of the chris harris of this team so billy uh gets his big topper move on owen or actually it was crush Instead of going for the cover, he applies an arm bar. Why? Just because. Even Vince called him out on that. Like, I'm going for the cover. Not sure what that was all about. Like, when Vince is calling out nonsense like that, then you know there's a problem. Yeah, when Vince is paying attention to ring psychology. Yeah. I think this is what. It, I, th I think that's what got the ten man tag pull from WrestleMania. We can't trust Billy to do the right thing. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> oh, come on. It's been in the books for 25 years. What? I'm excited for the 10-man tag. Well, you'll see it. Just... Mail Mission even said we've got one more match. This one's in the bag. 10 men in the ring for a 10-man tag. Well, I mean, we'll see it. Just not with Matthew, that's all. <laughs> so, uh, we get the classic back body drop call from Vince. I love him calling a back body drop. Mark that off on your Vince bingo board there. 
So uh, they're setting Owen up for the sidewinder. This version being the over uh, over the shorter backbreaker. Billy comes off the top, but uh, before Billy can even get up there, Crush clips Bart's knee. Owen puts the sharpshooter on, and Vince pleads for Bart not to give up. I mean, he's pleading. He does not want to see Owen Hart win this match. The stakes for this match, in the eyes of Vince, are really high. <laughs> well, because, you know, someone get their dream shattered here. <laughs> the Smoking Guns uh, ha- had a bedroom set uh, riding on this. They were going to have, you know, an interior decorator come to their houses and, you know, put in, you know, like, new satin sheets and, you know, a new uh, new headboard for their beds and all this stuff. But to, And they dreamed of having, having luxury bedrooms. But... All our dreams of a lovely bedspread got out the window. We tapped the sharpshooter. The best I can come up with. <laughs> but of course, Bart can't hear Vince no matter how loud Vince yells on the commentary table. And he gives up. I thought this was a fine match, but it seemed like the last part was kind of rushed. It did seem to suddenly go from zero to 100 in the last little bit. Yeah, but, in, but, but at the same time, it did get the... Uh, you know, the desired guys who ever crush wins, Owen wins. I'm never crush. sure how I feel, though, about having... And and it's funny, because this is something that's been, that we're talking about in 2019 as well. The idea of a makeshift tag team beating a, a, a defined tag team. Because the whole idea of tag team wrestling is it's a very different discipline. And if just two randomers can come together and beat an established tag team, then it kind of makes the whole division for naught, really. Well, to be fair, you know, they did cheat the win. Yeah, there was some shenanigans, I suppose. Crush took Bart's knee out from behind when he was not the legal man, and then Owen took advantage of the injury. Yeah, that's, that's, that is true, actually. There was some nonsense. So Vince interviews the two at ringside afterwards. They plug the Brett Crush match for March to WrestleMania. And Crush gives us the line, In Hawaii, talk is cheap. <laughs> What a random thing to say whilst you're talking. It's, it's a Hawaii thing. <laughs> hey, how many times have you been to Hawaii and as soon as you're greeted, they put the, uh, they, 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 they greet you, they, they put the, 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 what's it called? The thing they wear. Ladies. That's there, put that around you and they welcome you in and the, the weather, the sun's beating down, beautiful weather in Hawaii. And they say, hey, welcome to Hawaii. Talk is cheap. Yes, because you know, in like Wyoming, you can run your mouth all you want, and you're never called out on it because you're in Wyoming. You know, thank God you're not in Hawaii because somebody might take exception to what you're saying and punch you in the mouth. Absolutely, thank goodness. Yeah, because Hawaii's not known for being mellow or anything. No, it's the most it's the most uh, aggressive place possible. Is Hawaii? Nobody goes to Hawaii to relax. Hawaii's like water world, where anything goes. <laughs> a quick note, you're getting very choppy. Am I? Oh, okay. Yes. Just, just heads up. Okay, that's fine. Just... I'm getting I'm getting most of what you're saying, but... Let me turn that down a little bit. That might help. Okay, we'll try that. We'll see how we go with that. You're still okay. getting all the... I, I can't hear it my end, but if it's, if it's drop out, then let me know. Yeah, you're still a little choppy right now. Even right now, you are. Oh gosh, okay. Uh, well, this isn't good. Um, so I think what I can adjust on no. here. And we have the oh. occasional peril. No, no big I'll tell you what, if I, if I do that. Right, 
Okay. Okay. We'll see how we go now. We'll keep going. We'll keep going and see how we go. Okay. So we jump into the WrestleMania report. But how long, I've got to say, how long was the CG intro to the WrestleMania report? Well, we had these side shots of Brett and Luger's faces and the shot of Yoko staring straight on like he's one of the um, you know, modern-day wrestler renders they put up for a Call of Hawk pay-per-view predictions. <laughs> so I guess it's implied that Brett and Luger are staring at Yoko from the side as though he was like a statue. Or they're trying to mug him one or the other. And then Yoko is just staring straight ahead. Yes, yeah, sort of a... Yes, he's sort of oblivious to the two staring at him because he's the champion and he doesn't care. But then you have, like, this thing where this coin kind of flies into the background and the the ten comes flying forward and the word report appears really slowly. It's like somebody got an Apple Mac for the first time and wanted to use it. Yes, and then then Harvey Dent sprung forth and stabbed Lex Luger. (laughs) And then Lex sort of used us. Ah! Heads or tails? <laughs> well, I think it's a two-headed coin, but Luger chooses tails anyway. <laughs> that's That's been his luck the last eight months. So Todd plugs the Marshall WrestleMania, and they do the same bit they did a year ago, which is t- where Todd has to explain the difference between the Marshall WrestleMania and WrestleMania itself in case you're an idiot out there. He really does talk down to me here. I'm willing to bet that in years past there have been complaints of people who have confused the US, free USA Network special with the big pay-per-view that you're supposed to be paying for. And, and it's... Um, so do you I'm think this bet- is almost like them doing like an idiot's guide? Because they've been told off for it in the past, so they're just throwing their toys out and just making it really simple, talking really slowly so we can all get it. I think there have been complaints before from people who have confused the two, literally. This is like the um, – when you put that little tag on the hairdryer that says don't use it in the tub. <laughs> you know somebody's done it before. Exactly. Yeah. About a year ago, after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, which – hang on, give me a moment here to revel in that again. Um, <laughs> I went to my local sporting goods store because they had the commemorative season DVD. They had like all the highlights from the year, and it's just like a big highlight package with some extras, because you know I have to have for my collection. When I was buying it, the cashier almost hesitated, and this nice young lady, and she says to me, "Now you know this this isn't going to be the full Super Bowl game, right? This is just a highlight package." I said, "Yeah, I'm aware." She goes, "Okay," because we had a guy angrily return it a few hours ago, yelling at us and cursing at us because he thought it was going to be the the actual Super Bowl game itself, and it's like. Well, see, this is why they give them uh, disclaimers like that, because people uh, get confused very easily and then they get very angry. Right. So when you're watching Marshall WrestleMania, someone out there's going to be thinking, this is it, Sean versus Razor, Owen versus Brett. It's like, hey, wait a minute. Why is well done facing um, Peter Weeks and Mark Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> and then they flood the USA Network phone lines and they get very angry. I'm not saying everybody does it. But at least seven people do, I would imagine. So they're just trying to... This is, it's sort of a preemptive strike. Yeah, I get that. Because some people will confuse the two. 
So we had these celebrity rundown as, as usual. We, um, you know, the Jenny Garth, your Burt Reynolds, blah, blah, blah. And then Todd Pettengill goes full Todd Pettengill here. Once he gets to Burt Reynolds' name, not only does he pretend to him and Burt are friends, which, okay, I guess that's a you know, tongue-in-cheek gag there, but he acts like the kids in the audience have heard of the movie Deliverance. Yeah, that was... Uh, and it's very, very indicative of this era where we are new generation, but we're talking about Deliverance. Which is a great movie, don't get me great wrong. Great movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a horrifying movie in a lot of ways, which I was 10 years old at the time. And if I was really that influenced by Todd Pentengill, hey, mommy, can we watch Deliverance? <laughs> oh, God, we, that'd be awkward. And then, and then we get the very romantic scene with Ned Beatty, which probably would have scarred me for life when I was 10. I remember, I remember when I watched that movie for the first time, but I knew I wasn't 10 years old. I know I was old enough to understand what was going on and not be too disturbed by it, let's say. But, uh, yeah, um, know your audience. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I found um, Todd Pettengill in this whole bit quite um, insufferable, again. Like, he's <laughs> there's something about him at the moment where he just comes across as, as a real dick. <laughs> he really does. You don't say. Yeah. You're saying that Todd Pentengill, in other instances, is not an insufferable dick? I mean, like, he goes through periods where he's not, but in this one, he's just particularly insufferable. <sighs> I, I, I just, that was my, my takeaway from this, was he could just come across as incredibly insufferable. I, I can't disagree with you. He's trying, too <laughs> hard, he's trying too hard to be funny. He's just... All he's missing is Scott Shannon there to ignore. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Deliverance. That's nice, Scott. Anyway, onto the matches. <laughs> we get the goddamned unprecedented two WWE title matches in one night spiel, which we know that's a lie because WrestleMania a year ago had two of them. Very true. <laughs> like this is like it's not even like ancient history where you say it like like oh I want to crush a team before and. 1974 or something where you can't verify it. No, we have Coliseum video. <laughs> they run through all the matches, and now we finally have an opponent for Alundra Blaze. Oh, well, yes, we do. And I'm instead quite excited of, by it. If, in, instead of just simply being, Alundra Blaze is going to be in action as though if this were a, you know episode three of a challenge taping. She's going to be wrestling Leilani Kai. Now, that's a bit of a name from the past, isn't it? I have a theory here. Okay. For those of you who don't... For first, for those of you who don't know, Leilani Kai was the champion heading into WrestleMania 1 and lost the belt to Wendy Richter, so it's kind of interesting that they have her for this match, given that it's also in the Garden, and then it's WrestleMania 10. So it is a, it is a blast from the past, but one with kind of a historical significance to it. Not that the match would be anything great, but it is cool to kind of see her involved in this. But my theory is they were trying to get somebody else for Blaze, maybe Bull Nakano, and they couldn't get it in time, which is why they were kind of stalling, like, Blaze is going to wrestle somebody. And they realized maybe we can't get Bull in time. Uh, hey, Leilani, uh, are you busy March 20th? Okay, that's going to be our match then. <laughs> that, do you know what? That might explain it. And that might have been it. Instead of just randomly saying, uh, yeah, this insignificant women's division, uh, Hey, the champion's going to be there, um, but you don't care because you care about the, the good stuff. Uh, 
in their eyes, of course. Because as Blaze would show against the certain opponents like Bull Nakano, she was one hell of a performer. Oh, she was brilliant. Her her and Bull, I can't wait to get the SummerSlam 94 because they were money together. They absolutely were. That was that was the female Vader's thing. You, you right there? Yep, sorry. I um, just got distracted by something on my phone. Yes, but Bull Nakano very much was a female Vader. She was really quite a... Um quite a trendsetter because you see like you know there's, been, there's a lot of talk this weekend about awesome kong who's part of aew and it's people like bull nakano that sort of paved that way for for, for the for the for the vader type personas in female divisions absolutely and, and, and bull versus blaze or if you prefer to call her medusa whichever that that was always a great watch and... it's, it's it's a highlight in a in a very choppy women's division at this point in wrestling it's not even a division really it's just blaze versus whoever they can get that week yeah we haven't even seen blaze wrestle an actual match on raw yet all we've seen is highlights of the night she won the belt i just From you, you want like what is the point of setting up this women's division and this women's championship if you've you've really got no 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 sort of plan for it I think they just wanted to sign Medusa and and, and and they're just thinking like should we have her just manage somebody and she's like well no I want to wrestle because you know I'm not just some PNMP I'm not I'm not some windows wrestling here I'm, I'm actually a great athlete who can have great matches in the ring and entertain the crowd and I'm like sure we can do that and it's like crap what do we do now <laughs> we didn't think this part through I mean you could bring in Jacqueline from USWA she's right there you could bring Sherry back you have options and they're not really seeming to pursue many of those options. I mean, as cool as it is to see Leilani Kai back for, you know, this sort of wrestling to one and ten parallel, couldn't they have brought Sherry back? Because she's a bigger name. You'd have thought that, that seems more obvious. Or Helen, instead of the mixed tag, put Luna in the match. <laughs> she's right there. But no, we had to have the mysterious mixed tag, as Todd calls it, for the second week in a row. Why is it mysterious? I've no. Well, it's mysterious that they booked it. Very peculiar. So, and also, when they got to the mixed tag portion of the of Todd's rundown here, Todd says, "Don't go be an actor tonight. So hold on to your valuables." What does that mean? Like he's going to rob you? <laughs> yes, yeah, like. Like, Doink is some vagabond with a switchblade. <laughs> like, the clown's coming. Hide your wallet. That's a, it doesn't scan. Which, which which, to you, Justin, is more a more bizarre statement. In Hawaii, talk, we say talk is cheap. Or, Doink, the clown's coming. Hide your valuables. <laughs> Everybody, like, has their own mind on this show, and, and they're not really following the plot. It's like... Pushing Doink just smashing you with like his bindle and then running off with your wallet. <laughs> Everybody's just doing their own thing. Everybody's inventing their own character schemes and, and character motivations and well the plot's different now. So he's utter so Todd is utterly punchable, I wrote those words, while throwing it to the Jarrett match. We come to Jarrett versus Virgil. Virgil still has awesome theme music. I am such a fan of Virgil's music. I, I don't know what it reminds me of, but I really, I've always really enjoyed it, like more than I enjoy Virgil. To be honest, <laughs> I was just watching. I was just watching SummerSlam '91 the other night, and 
Virgil beating DiBiase for the million-dollar bill got one of the biggest pops you'll ever hear in Madison Square Garden. Oh, it's massive, isn't it? I it's it's such a wonderful little moment in time and such a wonderful story that was told. The whole thing of here's the guy who was the the servant of this guy and he's just won his belt off him. It's incredible. What, what a great, great story. story. It goes back to what we were saying earlier about DiBiase knowing how to make his opponents look like a million bucks. Pa- yeah, so pun partially intended. But, but, uh, but that but was just commentate. commentate. Well, and Roddy Piper on commentary for that match, like like he was Mickey Goldmill, screaming instructions and screaming encouragement. I think Piper made that that whole thing, thing, didn't he? Absolutely. Like, everything about that was perfect. It was minimalist, but it was perfect. Yeah. Lovely stuff. But Virgil just just hung around around a bit too long. long. (laughs) Yeah, and and DiBiase is reminding us that that Virgil's going nowhere, and he actually gets in a very natural-sounding... Topical reference here about because I guess Frank Sinatra had fallen down recently at this point. He was very old and he compares Virgil's fall on wrestling to that and laughs about it. You guys are just <laughs> what, what a charming, charming guy. guy. He's just zinging Virgil left and right here because he knows in 20 years they're, they're going to be sharing space at conventions, whether DiBiase likes it or not. <laughs> <laughs> this is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's at this point that Vince tells us that Rhonda Shear has been added to WrestleMania as a timekeeper. Yeah, that's Rhonda an Shear interesting call, isn't it? it? Rhonda Shear was actually a very underrated performer. She, hosts, she was the hostess of USA Up All Night, which was the B-movie festival on Friday and Saturday nights. And she was a comedian that had kind of a picture an older Kelly Bundy and you know, sort of playing up the um, you know playful tawdriness of uh, 
Is that a word for your playful tawdriness? Playful tawdriness, I think, is, is, is a word. I'm, I'm with, with you on the, on the, on the, on the older, older Kelly Bundy, Bundy bit. I, I see that when I look, look around, around this year. year. Yes, you know, she kind of, you know, it, it was sensual, but it was kind of played for, like, laughs. It was kind of tongue-in-cheek. That was sort of her persona. She was definitely a very a very energetic personality, very bubbly. So she's a... She, she kind of fits in with WrestleMania to a certain extent because she is a natural entertainer, and I think she's going to fit in with wrestling quite well. Absolutely, I'm, I'm a big, big fan. Um, I, and, 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 and at the time, though, I wasn't, I wasn't watching wrestling at this point, point but, but I know I probably, probably would have been confused by who she was. was. I think, as we talked, talked about before, a lot of these guys weren't—they were, were kind of names in the UK, but they—they they weren't as big as they were in America, with the exception of Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Do you know who Rhonda's co-host was on uh, USA Up All Night? Go on. Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, Gilbert! If only they'd gotten him for WrestleMania to do commentary. Now, now that would have been incredible. <laughs> Could you imagine? Lex Luger! How much does this guy weigh? I want Gilbert Gottfried and Art Donovan to do commentary together. Oh, no, you don't. No, <laughs> yes. you don't. <laughs> This is the third nerve hold we've seen in this match. <laughs> I don't think Mark Donovan was still alive now. He'd have a podcast called How, does, How Much Does This Podcast Weigh? <laughs> Sadly, Art was a very entertaining guy. We just didn't see the King of the Ring, except for the wrong reasons. <laughs> Can't, Can't wait, wait for that King, King of the Ring. Ring. Oh, my days. <laughs> so this Jarrett-Virgil match is so irrelevant that Vincent DiBiase go from the Ronda Shearer mention... To him, and, to him and DiBiase botching George Stephanopoulos' name for some reason. Why? I don't know. And, and I'm watching this, and I'm hearing these two, and I'm thinking, is it WrestleMania in like two weeks? Yes, George Stephanopoulos is not going to be there, or George Snuffleupagus, as I've called him over the years. <laughs> and, then D- and, and, that, and they go from that to DiBiase plugging a Rutger Hauer movie. It's going to air on the USA Network. <laughs> Rucker Howard, I, I believe, just passed away fairly recently, did he not? I think he did. Rucker Howard. Let me check the, the, the uh, internet. In like the last month or so, he may have passed on. We, we lost Rucker Howard yesterday, the 19th of July. So about six weeks ago, actually. Not long, not long ago at all. But I mean, Rucker Howard, like, you think of his movies, you think of sort of the... You know, B action movie thriller type movies where he's uh, you know, he's got a gun, he's got to save the girl, and there's, there's always corrupt uh, foreign agents or whatever. He was sort of like the he was like Chuck Norris minus the roundhouse kicks, and yeah. with a Swedish accent. A less mean worthy Chuck Norris. But I still love Rucker Howard though. Oh gosh, yeah, still, still a guy, guy. still a boy. This whole match, by the way, is just Virgil working Jeff Jarrett's arm. I'm surprised Virgil, Virgil got, got as much in on Jeff Jarrett as he did. Well, that's been Jarrett's thing ever since he got here. He's, he's supposed to be – he got vignettes for approximately six straight years of him talking about how he's going to be the biggest star in country music, but he's being held down. But he, So he's going to use wrestling as a stepping stone to build his country career. And he got vignette after vignette after vignette, and they need talent. Because the roster's been depleted, and Jarrett is a genuine talent. So he gets here. He should be a world beater, beating everyone in his path, convincingly. But he's selling for preliminary guys. 
that match he had with, with John Paul, that back and forth classic. It's great, and, it's, and you're such a giving performer, but it's not for John Paul. I'm not saying Jared should be destroying guys like Vader or something, where he no. just cuts through them and just beats them into a, into a coma. But he should be kicking their asses. Yeah, and you should not be selling the arm to Virgil. I'm sorry. We've seen Virgil twice in the past, like, ten months. And once was in the Royal Rumble because he was an alternate for somebody that was injured. So weird. So, uh, Vince calls a inverted atomic drop a reverse pile driver, which I guess is true. Well, wouldn't, like, an atomic drop be a pile driver because if you have hemorrhoids? Your piles are being driven. <laughs> I suppose it would. I think if you, if you were suffering a bad case of hemorrhoids, you would ask somebody to give you a pile driver and an atomic drop. <laughs> I want to. I once heard someone describe a a vodka printer's combination as a pile driver instead of a screwdriver. <laughs> So Jarrett wins with a DDT out of nowhere because he's apparently Randy Orton. I mean, his, his father was a wrestler, but that's beside the point. Exactly. And Virgil got like 80%, 85% of the offense in this match. Which, Which is 80, 84.9% too much. Yeah, Jarrett should have beat him in like three minutes with all of his good stuff. Exactly. But that's neither here nor there. We go on to the promo for the March to WrestleMania. Yokozuna versus, and I'm quoting here, Tat Anka. <laughs> you see, for the for the graphics for each wrestler, they have part of their name in red, like smaller letters, and the second half of the name in white, bigger letters. So if you're Bret Hart, it's Bret, smaller letters, Hart, big letters. Well, Tatanka is only one word, so they had to get creative here. So it's Tat Anka. <laughs> as if he's the redhead son of Paul Anka. <laughs> John, 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 I want a Paul Anka CD, but with Tatanka on it. Perfectly, she's having my baby. Exactly. exactly. Do, do, do she have my baby? Uh, that is a reference that all the kids are going to get. Uh, we are so down with the kids on the Classic Raw review. Uh, that's what I want, please. Tatanka on a Paul Anka CD. Thank you. It's as timeless as Rucker Howard's appearance and deliverance. Do you know what I love? I love that this podcast is very much an epitome of WWF at the time anyway, in the sense that it is just full of references that nobody really of the age limit that listens to this is ever going to get. You see, the number of lives the WWF has destroyed is staggering, including ours. I feel like I'm having a bit of like an identity crisis since I started working full-time at Coltaholic, because... <laughs> I come here with you, and we're talking about Rutger Hauer, and we're talking about the. Uh, uh, we're talking about silk stockings. We're talking about nineties movies, and then I'm on the YouTube channel with Barry the. F- <laughs> I'm just. Very, I think I'm very confused. It runs the gamut here at Cultaholic. We get the best out of everyone. <laughs> and the worst, in my case. Well, best we put in quote marks for that one. <laughs> We then go to an odd, well, two odd bits in a row. The first one has DiBiase showing this purported country music magazine that has Jarrett on the cover, which Vince peels off to reveal is actually just a faux cover. I love that the, bit. That was funny. Funnier than the next bit where Vince pulls out this cardboard doink face and puts it over his own to kind of toy with DiBiase a little bit. 
all I could think was about 12 hours earlier, I had watched the trailer for the Joker movie with, uh, with Joaquin Phoenix playing Joker and, uh, showing the derangement and descent of sanity that led him to becoming the Joker. And I'm thinking, God, this looks like a really nuanced movie. I can't wait to see this. And here's Vince with a goddamn clown mask over his face. I love that. That was, um, that was uh, one of those moments where it was so crap it made me laugh. And I don't know whether it's just because I was a bit tired when I watched it, but Vince just sitting around going, this is no laughing matter. And it's like, this is so bad, but really funny. We're watching Stockholm Syndrome in real time here. It's a little bit what this is, yeah. Now, to me, that wasn't funny, but this next bit was funny for the wrong reasons. We have a Cy Sperling promo. Oh, Cy Sperling, who is anti-charisma, if I ever did see it. Oh, my goodness. This whole bit. Cy Sperling has the personality of a lint roller. (laughs) That's very polite and very rude to the lint roller industry. Cy Sperling is basically... If Christopher Walken had been electroshocked, <laughs> permit me, if I may, to kind of talk like Cy Sperling for the next couple of seconds here while I, I get across this bit. I'm going to do my very best to not fall asleep if you do. Okay, so his bit is that he's doing the – he's the hair consultant for WrestleMania because he had to do something and always known for his being the hair club for men guy. So he's talking about, about the jobs he's going to do on some people, including Mr. Fuji, who, as we know, is – is as bald as the day he was born now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, hello, I'm Cy Sperling, and from the Hair Club for Men, and at WrestleMania, we're going to be helping people as hair consultants. Take Mr. Fuji, for instance. Boy, think of the job we can do on him. Cue the Photoshop. John, this is somebody doing your job in the past, and badly. <laughs> yes. This was Photoshop Bruce. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce, please put some hair on Fuji's head. You'll get the commemorative WrestleMania watch, which I stuck up my ass for five years. <laughs> until I came home to you. And now... My son, I give this watch to you. <laughs> that is that is pretty much size Sperling. It's like he's in the room. <laughs> except except uh, Cy Sperling is not as entertaining as Christopher Walken. If well, Cy, if well, Walken's on another planet compared to, compared to Cy Sperling. Cy Sperling cannot do the weapon of choice video. No. He is a weapon of our choice talk without rhythm and it won't attract an audience see that was words from the song i just modified him incidentally just to go back to um <laughs> just to go back to the the bad photoshop of mr fuji yeah so we reckon it was photoshop bruce to put this together we're, we're alleging we're not we're not entirely sure okay okay john can you photoshop Bruce Pritchard photoshopping <laughs> Fuji's hair whilst you watch the photoshopping on a big screen. 
Wow, that sounds challenging. Oh, give me a headache trying to describe that. Good luck. Good luck pulling that ball of yarn out, John. <laughs> Chat me up, Bruce. Why'd you use paintbrush? <laughs> Didn't you have any better programs in 1994? <laughs> I mean, I could have done a better job with some goddamn Crayolas. Incidentally, I know you're not meant to be proud of your own work, but I listened back to last week's show where me and you just start doing Conrad Thompson impressions. Mate, we are hilarious. <laughs> if uh, if you say so, we I'm, I'm going to take... flipping hilarious, I'm gonna, me and you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your word for it. <laughs> Although John put, John Dubbing chat me up over the <gasps> sensual female in that ad. Oh, God, he me. did, didn't he? I forgot that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting it to be that simplistically funny. I'd also like to applaud John for this week um, taking Big Daddy's entrance from World of Sport and putting Goldberg's theme over the top. (laughs) It does lend a bit more gravitas to the entrance. Oh, Daddy Berg certainly does. Daddy Berg. Daddy Berg. Shirley. Gold Shirl. Anyway, enough fun. On to Doink versus Iron Mike Sharp. All right, fine. The human hairball Iron Mike Sharp. All I could think when Doink sprayed Sharp with a squirt flower was he's going to be in the shower for hours after this. Oh, because he was because this is we talked about this in a very early episode. Because I and Mike Sharp was obsessed with cleaning. Yes, yeah, he had he had incredibly bad OCD. He would shower for hours after his matches, and there's been stories of him locked in the venues after the fact because he didn't leave with everybody else. That's true. That's uh, and I thought the same thing when he got sprayed. I thought that's just mean. That's just mean. That's a, that's a terrible rib. You're going to have to explain the reference to me. I thought okay. you would probably know when, after he gets sprayed with Doink's flower... I, I, I know you're going with it. Yeah, the line, WWF has its own version of white water. It was a, it was a scandal from the 90s uh, in the Bill Clinton administration. There was... um, Hang on, I'm looking it up real fast because I'm, I'm a little bit... I'm not clear on it. I'll just read the first paragraph of the Wikipedia entry because I know it involved the Clintons. So it was, the Whitewater controversy, Whitewater scandal, or simply Whitewater, was an American political controversy of the 1990s. It began with an investigation into the real estate investments of Bill and Hillary Clinton and their associates, Jim McDevelopment Corporation. I don't really remember it being anything. Uh, I mean, I was I was a kid. I, I, I've I'd heard of Whitewater because it was one of those things you heard in, in the news or comedians talking about it. But I don't really know like all the details of it. But I just knew it was it was Clinton related, and it it was definitely timely for spring of '94. The more you know, and, and the more I'm going to forget in five minutes. <laughs> so Sharp gets the the best spot on this show. Blink sends him into the ropes. He hooks the ropes with his arms to to prevent the reversal. His legs fly out, and he grunts at the same time. So he does the. Oh! This was like when you knock over a character in Street Fighter. <laughs> Iron Mike Sharp is just palette reverse Blanca. <laughs> That's very accurate. <laughs> That's how he drives himself off after the shower. He becomes electric. No, he'll die because water. <laughs> oh, right. Um, uh, well, okay, so that's self-defeating. <laughs> Well, he's not Vega. He doesn't wear a mask. That's true. He doesn't wear an eye patch. He can't be Sagat. He can't be E Honda. That's Yoko's gimmick. I think he has to be Zangief. He's Russian. 
is except the Russian bit. Um, but in terms of like the look, the build, the 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 pants, I think he's Zangief. <laughs> Mikhail Shark. Mikhail Sharkovsky. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Nikolai oh, in the Conrad. Crowd. I said Conrad, not Conrad. Shut me up on this. <laughs> not now. <laughs> Shut me up. If you if you fought Dolph Seam and he started doing the yoga kicks at you, or if you threw the yoga flame, would that dry you off quicker after your long showers? Shut up. <laughs> Yeah. I will come to StarCast to stop interviewing me. Well, actually, unfortunately, Iron Mike Sharp has since passed on, unfortunately. <laughs> Although you say, unfortunately, Iron Mike Sharp has cancelled StarCast. <laughs> it's, uh, Iron Mike Sharp is, may have been the greatest jobber of all time. Everybody says the Brooklyn Brawler, it's Iron Mike. Iron Mike, it, love you, man. We get to see the bad editing on this show. Because at one point, Sharp gets knocked to the outside, and Dink runs in the ring and hobnobs with Doink for some reason. And three seconds later, Dink's back on the ring steps again. So how did that go? Well, Ed Wood edited this show. Right, okay. <laughs> you want to refilm that? I mean, Dink's back on the ring I mean, Dink's back on the ring steps. You know, you would have had that same problem every day. <laughs> I love, love the movie Ed Wood. It's hysterically funny. I wish Martin Landau had been here playing Bella Lugosi. Now, in that some is role. a hell of a call. That is a hell of a callback. <laughs> that may have been the funniest portrayal of a celebrity in any movie ever. If you've never seen Ed Wood, please do so immediately. Make time to see Ed Wood. It is phenomenal. Martin, La- Martin Landau won an Oscar for playing Bella Lugosi, and he goddamn deserved it. If you enjoyed, um, if you enjoyed the artist, see the artist I'm picking off with, um. I can't remember what the guy's name was. It was in it. It was, it was like John something. The spoof of the room. Not oh, the spoof, oh, uh, the... oh, disaster artist. Or disaster artist. artist. That's what I'm thinking of. Or the masterpiece, whatever it was called. Yeah. Yes, it's basically that, but set in the 1950s. There you go. With uh, with Johnny Depp playing Edward D. Wood Jr., the most blindly optimistic man in the world. See where Speak I get it from, can't you? <laughs> Does that mean I'm Bella then? You certainly are. You will always be my Bella. <laughs> I get ready to dump out for language here. <laughs> All right, let's shoot this fucker. <laughs> See, you've always been a Bella. <laughs> Barton I Bella. I think what we need now is Crush versus a giant octopus. <laughs> hey, that would have been a better, better. No, 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 prospect than no, 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 I got Lex Luger because he's going to, he's going to sell. And cut. That was perfect. <laughs> no, Vince is Ed Wood and Lex Luger's Bella Lugosi. <laughs> Jeez. This is, this, this is a WWE.com article that's never getting published. <laughs> you know, I turned down WCW. What? I could have been the champion. Could have been a big star for years. Lex, I have 25 scenes to shoot tonight. Oh, sorry. Don't let me, don't let me slow you down. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have three hours of tape to get through. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lex throws the whiskey back. Climbs in with the octopus. I, right. I'm, what I'm going to say is, 
I get accused by my good lady. Well, not accused, but she's very accurate. She says, so wrestling fans are a bubble. And wrestling and cultaholic fans, cultaholic is basically a bubble within a bubble. Mm-hmm. So our podcast, which is aimed at the bubble, but people within the bubble within the bubble that follow old wrestling. Mm-hmm. And now we are tapping into the bubble within a bubble within a bubble within a bubble that has also seen Edward. <laughs> or, or who haven't seen it but should see it because, <laughs> damn it, we, we know what you like. We know what you would like. <laughs> yes. We, we're the people that complain about, about what's-his-face tiptoe through the tulips being on Raw. Well, Tiny Tim way predates Ed Wood. <laughs> I know, Ed but Wood we're the ones going, oh, Tiny Tim, that's not even modern. Anyway, Ed Wood. We dic- <laughs> we're, we're the ones who dictate what schlock you should like. You so- don't know what you like. We know what you like. And most of the time, we're right. We are sometimes. I think. <laughs> anyway, Doink finishes with a whoopee cushion. That's, that's, <laughs> and that's that. Thanks, Doink. Now we come to the next segment. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say that at the onset. For the most part, this was actually a very dignified segment. Yeah, in many ways, this was very touching at points. And the crowd, for the most part, I thought they were gonna turn on it because it's not really, it's not really what you'd expect to see in wrestling in 1994, and it's 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 not very WWF ish. But the crowd, for the most part, was very warm to this, despite of a few hecklers that you could hear. So I'm like, okay, I was kind of cringing at first, and I'm like, oh, this this one's gonna be, this might not go over well, but there's some stuff about this segment that I kind of had to laugh at, and it's it's nothing to do with with Tatanka, or or the stuff that was meant to be solemn, because I thought that stuff was fine, but we'll get to it. We had the Tatanka ceremony, and we have three individuals in the ring with Vince. One is is a leader of the Lumbee Nation named Ray Little Turtle. I was one of those well, no. things where I remember watching this and sort of drifting off a little bit, and then I hear Little Turtle, and I'm immediately back in the room. Well, I think I and I, I could be wrong here. I think when so when someone is born in in in, in the Native American uh, realm, that they're named after like the first thing they see out outside or whatever, like running dog or running water or something. I'm 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 I may sound stereotypical here, but I'm I'm, I'm just kind of. Like I'm very ignorant to how all that works for the most part, but I've heard that before. So someone being named Little Turtle, it might not be so uh, so far fetched. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. I could be wrong there. So he's not the only person there, because also presiding over this segment, we have a legitimate Choctaw Indian in the legendary Wahoo McDaniel. But if you don't know Wahoo, Wahoo was awesome. He was a force, wasn't he? If you think Walter chops hard. <laughs> Walter today versus Wahoo from 40 years ago would have destroyed an entire city. It had been like Godzilla versus Rodan or something. Gosh, Walter versus Wahoo in his heyday. Woo! Wahoo was incredibly... He was a tough man, an incredibly tough man. And a great wrestler to boot, one of the best brawlers of his day. And in there with him 
is a man named Joe Scarpa, an Italian-American who you might know better as Chief J. Strongbow. So they're portrayed as being on the same plane of legitimacy as Native Americans. Oahu, as I noted, is a legitimate Choctaw Indian. And Strongbow, who played the gimmick and was quite popular at it, but that's all it was, was a portrayal. So for those who, who read between the lines a little bit more like us who know some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, this is kind of not on the level in some ways. This is probably why when Tatanka would talk and uh, and thanked you know those guys for paving the way, they looked a bit shifty. Uh, a, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. So Tatanka comes out here, and and Ray Little Turtle gives this very uh, very dignified speech about what he, what Tatanka has meant as a in his growth as a role model for you know for all all, all the young Native Americans out there. And he's been voted on, I think, was it by the youths or, or by the elders? I can't remember which. But he, he's being bestowed this feathered headdress as a reward for what for what he means as a role model. And, and, and this, of course, is a very high honor. And Tatanka actually does shed tears here. Yeah, he gets really emotional. That's why I, I, even there was some funny stuff in this segment that's not that was unintentionally funny, and I, I wanted to be as dignified about this as possible because this may actually have meant something to him i feel like it did or he's just a really really he's really good at conjuring up emotion like um like any great hollywood actor or actress just knows knows how to get you know the on cue tear roll but the the tonka i believe this actually did mean something to him i feel like if this was some sort of schlocky wrestling shtick somebody would have run out and attacked him well, something will come of this. Let's put it that way. Okay. It just didn't happen tonight. So, the, and the and the crowd is very receptive to this. Most of them are cheering. And um, which which I, I, I may be a cynical fan here, but it surprised me that a New York crowd was so cool was so cool to this. What what this basically is is just they're passing on Wahoo and Strongbow. They're kind of passing the mantle on to Tatanka as the supreme Native American wrestler of of today. He's he's them, but modern. I like that. I like and that. And they're acknowledging though. it. I think it means a little bit more coming from Wahoo than other Strongbow. No disrespect. No, 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 no. I'm sure he he would agree. <laughs> You're sure Wahoo and Tatanka would agree? Or he's sure Strongbow would agree? <laughs> Not in the slightest. The the part that I had to laugh at a little bit was that Strongbow wore a track jacket. <laughs> like he's gonna go outside after this and time somebody's forty yard dash. He looked the least in character because of it. Like, I mean, Wahoo wore a suit. Tatanka's in his ring gear, which is, you know, the um, the rawhide patch or pouch over the um, over his tights, and the rawhide boots. And um, and that uh, red little turtle, hey, he has a suit on with it with a hat, and he has a lot of the adornments that you might expect out of a Native American. Which I, that might sound a little stereotypical, but I, I mean well with that statement. Yeah, I'm not the best at conveying that. I Don't admit. worry. I, yeah, I get you. I get you. And Tonga gives this very graceful speech and about what this means to him. He looks at Wahoo and talks about how they used to be tag team partners. I my an alarm went off immediately because off the cage match I went to see if the Tonga had ever teamed with Wahoo McDaniel. Like I like I, I get there's some kayfabe going on here. 
I couldn't find anything that cross that, that matched across both match lists. But what I did find out is that in 1991, Tatanka had a lengthy feud on the Carolina Indies with a man named Vince Torelli, who would become known later as Ken Shamrock. What? You heard me. No way. In South Atlantic Pro Wrestling, Chris Chavis versus Vince Torelli, Tatanka versus Ken Shamrock. Oh my days, that's incredible. Why? Now s- that is a true hidden gem. I got to see these matches if they, if they exist somewhere. Yeah, I want to find them. <laughs> Tatanka then says that Strongbow has kept the faith as a Native American. <laughs> I had to stifle a laugh there. <laughs> then Strongbow is given the mic which may have been the biggest mistake in the history of professional wrestling. <laughs> he made size sprawling look like Big E. <laughs> Strongbow could not be asked to give a damn about any of this. Well, Tatanka, I'm very happy you like the headdress. Can I go now? <laughs> Paraphrased, <laughs> but fairly accurate. Wahoo adds actual passion to it. Because Wahoo is a goddamn great performer. Strongbow puts it on Tatanka, who gives it a test dance. And uh, for the most part, I love that segment. I thought it was really touching. I thought that, as as you said, and as we've sort of lamented, like it looked like it genuinely meant something to Tatanka. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was wonderful. I think it might have meant a little bit more if they had some of the actual wrestlers out there around ringside in support. Because it seemed kind of threadbare, the ring, for this very uh, solemn ceremony. Like, 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 okay, Little Turtle was fine. Wahoo was fine. Tatanka was great. Vince, of course, has, has to be their BMC. Strongbow, um, the less said, the better. But it seemed like just having five people there was kind of thin. I feel like that this is... If this if something like this was to happen in 2019, it'd be a very different story. You'd have 200 Native Americans lining the aisleway, lining the ring. You'd have a video package beforehand. You'd have a special light ceremony. You would have like a sure. like a fire in the ring. You'd kind of conjure up a fire in the ring. You'd have you'd ha- you'd have as many Native American legends at the ring as you could. As the headdress goes on to Tonka, everybody starts making the noise and making the call of the. Native Americans. He dances around the ring. Boom! Then the lights go out, and here's the fiend. And the fiend grabs Tatanka by the head. Mandible water to Tatanka. Well, that's that, that's one way to do it. But I mean, I mean, I, I was thinking like just, just have like you know Luger and you know, all the baby faces, men on a mission, just hanging around at ringside, just you know applauding, congratulating him afterwards, and you know, just to, to endorse him as you know as, as more than just. He's more than just a wrestler in this segment. Yeah, that would have been cool. That would have been cool to be fair. Yeah, they, 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 he's sort of ascending. I mean, he he's been portrayed as an upper carter for a while, but now he's being imbued with something really special. And it'd be cool if, if other wrestlers acknowledged that he was special in this segment. I mean, yeah. it's it's cool. It's cool coming from Wahoo, but I have to admit, maybe the audience at the time I didn't may not have really known who Wahoo was at that point. Some would have. But a 10-year-old kid in the audience knew his name from the magazines, like, like PWI and all that. But it could use a little bit more. It, it was good for what it was, but it could have been even better. And they could have given Strongbow like a necktie, something. But it was fine. I liked it. We segue into the next match where IRS comes out, and he vows that the Tonka will pay the gift tax on the headdress. 
And if this is going where I think it's going, and I'm not sure if this aired on a Raw or a Superstars, but we may get the funniest Chief J Strongbow moment of all time on one of those episodes. Oh, I'm excited. And I'm, and I'm praying it's Raw because what's going to happen is we're going to tell John, don't Photoshop just, just put the git. I just put the gif up of what happened. That's all we need you to do. So IRS versus Mark Thomas, who is way too buff to be a preliminary talent. <laughs> he is quite a buff boy, isn't he? Yeah, he was um he was so buff that he may have been exhibit A in the forthcoming trial. Not a lot of guys in this time have this physique and for good reason because Vince and McDevitt are gonna be sitting in chairs very soon at at a table in a in a Long Island courtroom. And Mark Thomas is the kind of guy that they might want to stash under the rug at this point. Because <laughs> he was uh, a little bit beefier than they would like to have showcased. His abs had abs. Vince is now throwing out a litany of baseball references. Because baseball season is coming. And he's trying to stay topical, of course. V- <laughs> the funniest part of this match was Vince informing the audience that you guys may not know it, but Irwin is a great technician. This isn't some big secret. It's like he has a hidden talent, like he can juggle or something. You guys may not notice, but Iris is, is, is an accomplished airing wrestler. No sh. <laughs> we see him do submission holds. We see him, you know, you know, chain wrestle. We see him do all this great stuff. Well, I mean, not great stuff, but we know that he's a skillful wrestler. And uh, wait, wait, you mentioned the fiend attacking the Tonga. Here's the fiend's dad. There you go. There you go. That was that was what I meant. Definitely. Catching flies with my W two. <laughs> Chasing fraudsters. <laughs> and like auditing you. them. <laughs> He's got like a light up briefcase when he comes out and hold it hold it over his head. <laughs> a briefcase shaped like his own head. John. Instead of the fiend, he's the lean. L I E N. John, pick something out of that. <laughs> can I also, before we move on from this match, uh, mm-hmm. can I applaud the person in the crowd that had a computer printed sign that said, IRS, I really stink? <laughs> they made it on a computer and everything. And Vince laughed because he knows that it's the height of comedy. That's funny. He smells. Ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you, you got the stink lines all right. <laughs> Vince Sislak. So Iris has to bust out the rope-assisted abdominal stretch for this match because Mark Thomas is a threat. Them, them enhancement boys get in offense. It keeps happening. You realize that if the March to WrestleMania is not uploaded in time, this is the go-home match for WrestleMania for us. It's sad, isn't it? Iris wins with the write-off, and that's that. Thank you, Wait. IRS, for coming. Thank you for being a... our go-home for WrestleMania. We have a plug for the Lex Luger-Jimmy Del Rey match for March WrestleMania, which I put Luger Del Rey, which sounds like Lana Del Rey's brother. <laughs> Is this the, the bit at the end with uh, Jim with Jim Cornette? Oh, oh we're getting there, because this, the, okay. this is the go-home segment. If yes. uh, it's March WrestleMania. Out comes Jim Cornette and the Heavenly Bodies, including Bruce's brother, Dr. Tom. Del Rey is, is rubbing his chest and gyrating to Vince's disgust. That made me laugh. Cornette mocks a bunch of U.S.-made products like vehicles while praising Japanese uh, efficiency. 
Delray's emoting the entire time, everything Cornette says, which is hilarious. And Cornette basically just talked about how Delray's going to wear Luger down for Yokozuna at WrestleMania. So that at least makes sense. He's a mercenary in this case. And that's it. That's the show. The final words we get, potentially before WrestleMania. So if we don't get the march to WrestleMania, this is our go home. And going into WrestleMania 10, the final thing we hear on a WWF program is Vince McMahon going, The Gigolo. <laughs> well, surely they have your money by now, right? <laughs> oh, mate, they've got it twice. <laughs> so here's a man with red borderline bouffant hair and matching chest hair gyrating his hips and rubbing his chest in a suggestive manner on the en route to the biggest show of the year. Now, taking nothing away from Jimmy Del Rey being an excellent in-ring performer, as we have seen, this doesn't exactly scream prestige of WrestleMania. It really doesn't. <laughs> it's, uh, nowadays we'd have, well, is it better or worse than Brock and Roman playing tug-of-war with a belt? Ooh... See, That's how I did, see how I did that Roman Reigns impression just then without thinking about it. Ooh, ah. Do you think when Roman Reigns has a cup of tea, that's the noise he makes? I'd like to think so. Ooh, ah. John? I mean... <laughs> da -da, da -da, add more sugar. Da -da, da -da. Kettle's boiling. Da -da. Da -da, da -da. <laughs> You know what? This this has been a very average episode of Raw. Yes, it has. I, I, I'm not really mania ready after watching that show. I, I just I'm so pleased to be where we are now as a wrestling fandom and wrestling is as a product where there is there is a genuine thought process behind the go home show and mm -hmm. you know time and things like that and we which, which i still don't think we've quite nailed mind you saying that we're getting the march to wrestlemania which does feel like a nice go home for mania but that being yeah. said this is a bad episode of raw <laughs> yeah there are setups here i mean brett luger and yoko all wrestle on that show so you are getting you know the three pieces of the possible main event picture um on one show all in action and you figure they're going to, you know, hype up every major match on the show, Savage Crush. See, that's why I want to watch this show, Marshall Smith, because Savage cuts what might be the best promo of his career on this show. And that's not even that's not even hyperbole. This I've is actually heard this, yeah. He does a five minute sit down with Vince. I don't want to give away too much in case we do get it. In fact, in fact, let me check the Twitter account real fast because in case they have been uploading through the last couple hours or so, this is how how dead set I am on watching on, on watching this show because this was a one hell of an interview throwing up a bunch of random annex, NXT stuff there's a few hidden gems added Von Eric's match with uh, Brody oh the Tigger Tigger Bulldog match from 91 no it's not up yet but I, I hope they do get time. to it there's still time we have a week and they better get to it yes because uh, this show will get you hyped for Wrestlemania more so than this episode of Raw certainly did so what do we make of Ted on commentary? We haven't really talked much about the stuff that Ted said. That's probably a good thing in some ways because you, you go back to the Booger and IRS episodes, all we could talk about was just how awful they were and, and Crush also. Hey, he, 
he took nothing off the table, but he didn't really add a whole lot to it. He was efficient. He fit in with what was going on, even though he wasn't super enthusiastic about it. I give him a solid six. I'm happy with a six. I'm very happy with a six. Six is a good shout. <laughs> he, he he didn't irritate me, which is which sometimes is all you can ask out of certain commentators. He didn't irritate me. <laughs> well, so that'll do it for the uh, classic Raw review for this week. So next week, we are either bringing you the march to WrestleMania with Photoshop John Eiley, or we are bringing you WrestleMania 10 with Matthew Gregg. So basically what's happened is John and Matthew have gone over the top rope at the same time. And we are planning a coin flip in the middle of the week with Jack Tunney to decide who is going to go on. It is my decision that the network is not sufficient enough to have the march to WrestleMania. So, Matthew, it is going to be you. <laughs> well, 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 thank you. I, I appreciate that very much. Um, <laughs> oh, I, thanks very much, pal. Uh, I feel bad for John. I know he wanted to watch the Monster <laughs> WrestleMania. I want to listen to it. Hang on, let me, let me do an impression of John. Click, 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 click. That's him clicking his mouse. John's going to draw just photoshopped Willy on my head. Oh, what did you do that for? John goes to a fish up of him with a tear in his eye like the Tonka. Oh. <laughs> right, until next week, uh, we don't know what we're getting, nor do you. What the, that's the fun of adventure. He is at JRH Writing. I am at Tom Campbell. Together, we are at Cultaholic. Don't forget to join us. I love you. Bye. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 